Anger Deanne, and welcome to my podcast, Things I Talk About. Today, we are going to be talking about all things multidimensional and what our experiences are here and just the different ways in which the lines can get blurry between our experiences and and what life should or shouldn't look like. So there's going to be a lot of rabbit holes in this episode. So today, my special guest is Gazit Haya. Gazit is a AFAB trans non-binary queer white Jewish seeker that is a neurodivergent parent, and E.T. experiencing sparkly rainbow bewilderment fairy. Gazit is a coach, a.k.a. bewilderment fairy, and a SSP provider, which stands for Safe and Sound Protocol. Not only that, but also a TBI survivor. So, Gazit Haya, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to, I feel like we're just going to go down so many rabbit holes and that's okay. I can't wait to hear more about you and your story. So let's just jump right in. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and maybe what your journey looked like to bring you to this point to where you are right now? Yeah, well, that's a that's a lot of information, but... I would say my journey has been really full of a lot of different pieces that don't typically go together. So I came um, from a family that was really invested in evangelical Christianity. So that gave me sort of a like real rigid um, rule base that was also interestingly immersed with the mystical. So that was a really fascinating like early childhood experience. And I would say I attached very strongly to both the right and wrong concept of duality and to the super mystical, like supernatural. So I love that I was given that because I feel like the, like after 11 years old, 12 years old journey has been about questioning the right wrong duality and like diving so into the mystical supernatural. Um, and that has brought me to all kinds of places. I've done, um, I've done like depression, suicidality, you know, attempted suicide, uh, psych hospital, psych medications, mental health world. I've done that really, I feel like fully. Um, I've done the like spiritual seeker, go into every wisdom tradition, um, you know, reconnect with my connection with some sort of greater source or divinity um, in a non-dual way. So I've done, you know, explorations in Buddhism and Hinduism and New Age and all of that. I've done the whole um, self-help manifestation, reality creation thing. Um, I've done the angels and demons and extraterrestrials and spirit guides thing. I've just explored so much of it. And I feel like the, the two identities that I most relate to right now are experiencer. So I'm just like having experiences. I feel like I'm like a taste tester of whatever is here to be offered in this version of reality. Um, And then change. I feel like I am most identified with change. Uh, Just being 
something that is never stagnant and experiencing things that are never stagnant. So yeah, that's a sort of a short version. Yeah. I I love that. I I there's so many things with that. For one, I love your last note regarding change because one of the things I'm, you know, feel pretty passionate about is that sometimes we get caught in this, you know, uh Mm, programming of what life is supposed to be like. And it's like, you have to do this, you have to do that. And then you get a sturdy job. And you know, this is what the responsible individual looks like. And it's like, we're working towards feeling like we're this Mm -hmm. fixed, rooted Mm -hmm. in, um, and nothing can come outside of that. But it's like the nature of everything in, you know, evolution is expansion, Mm -hmm. growth, Mm -hmm. movement Mm -hmm. forward. Um, So, and I love the piece that, you know, because I I know you've said you've listened to some of my podcasts and know a little bit about my background of growing up in a religiously abusive home. I kind of love that piece that you shared of, it did kind of introduce you a little bit to that mystical realm, that open, um, cause that was one of the things in an odd way I didn't realize, mm. you know, it was kind of looked at more like mm. law. And it wasn't until afterwards, after my spiritual awakening, I was channeling, mm-hmm. you know, beings and things. And and it was looked at by, you know, it's looked at by the church as, you know, wrong mm-hmm. and of the mm-hmm. devil. But I was like, hey, wait, what's the difference? That's what the whole Bible's though, about. Between, <laughs> yeah. What's the difference here? It's like you're saying, okay, it's here. It's okay under this building but not under any other, yeah, Yeah. which I found interesting. It is so interesting. And that, you know, that's where what you're touching on around the like striving for um, something that's fixed, something that's stable is what um, anybody who's attaching to any kind of dualistic right, wrong, or this is the way, Mm -hmm. that's what they're looking for, right? They're saying like, can you draw me some boundaries? And and if you can make them really clear and you tell me that I'm good if I stay inside them, thank you. You know, (laughs) what a relief. Um, Because living outside of that and having to become a source to self and your own – your own stamp of approval is uh, a really big challenge. And so I really respect and appreciate now those people who are, you know, just really staying inside of those lines because I get it. I really get it. And I wouldn't ask anybody to try to get out of those lines until they're really ready because it blows everything up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> There's definitely been those days where I'm like, okay, I need that yeah. that clean list, yeah. uh those clean lines. Um yeah. So I would love to hear, I'm curious, it was there a particular moment, a defining moment, you could say, in your journey that sort of tipped the scales towards the consideration of looking at life through 
you know, a different lens. I, I know you talked about change. Um, I'm curious, was this a gradual thing or was there that defining, you I know, could tell you the, I could tell you the 30 seconds in which it happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was so um, dramatic for me. And what was really like now looking back on it, it's really fun and uh, fascinating to see that, um, Around when I was like 11, 12, um, I think I must have been 12. I don't know. But um, I had realized that I had studied all these martyrs and saints. That was like my favorite. That was my jam, reading biographies of martyrs and saints. I know it's a strange child that does that. But I realized that the common denominator with both the the like apostles who I really idealized from the Bible um, and these martyrs and saints were that they all experienced extreme discomfort that then led to spiritual awakenings for them. Mm. And I wanted that so badly. And up until that point, I had been in a pretty cushy lifestyle. Like um, my family had resources. I was well um, liked uh, in my like school life. I was doing well academically. You know, people thought I looked okay. Like I was I was kind of winning in that sense. Mm -hmm. And so I started praying every day to be made uncomfortable um, because I wanted the spiritual breakthrough. Um, And I did that for about a year. And then one day, and I didn't put it together that this was the, you know, receiving of the, what I was asking for, but um, I was in the changing room or locker room at PE And I saw this other, this classmate of mine, this girl. And up until that point, there had been like, you know, brewings of kids talking about crushes and like Mm -hmm. being like boyfriends, girlfriends, da, da, da. And I was always like, what are they even talking about? I didn't relate to it at all. And then I saw this girl changing in the locker room and it was like, I was like, oh, that is what they are talking about. I just felt it. And then one second later, and it's for the wrong person and, Mm. and I'm doomed, you know, like not doomed, damned. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Damned. Mm -hmm. And so in my context of life, I knew very firsthand what happened if you were a queer person, LGBT, Mm -hmm. because I had a family member who was and had been completely kicked out of the family. Um, and so I was like, oh my gosh, it's not, yeah. it can't be, you know? Yeah. And so between the walking from the locker room up to back to the, it was like a little hill that we had to walk up back to the, where the classrooms were in that five minute walk, I was like, okay, this is the um, thorn in my side. As Paul talks about, this is my cross to bear. This is mm-hmm. what I am going to suffer with um, for Christ. And um, mm-hmm. and I decided like to shut it down. But that um, was like the chink in the whatever that like yeah. started it all crumbling. Yeah. Because the harder I tried to um, shut it down, the more powerful it became. And it was arguing with the idea that um, God had created me, Mm -hmm. right? So it was like, if God created me and this is how I am, but this is unacceptable, like how did God create me? It just like became this mind fuck and it like Mm -hmm. 
couldn't be reconciled. And so from that time until my overdose, when I was 22, you know, that 10 years was a lot of me just fighting with God about it. Yeah. Um, and when I finally decided to surrender, um, I just realized I couldn't kill it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get rid of it. Yeah. Um, and so instead I would kill me mm. um, because I really at that point in my overdose felt sincerely like, I'm so sorry. I really tried and I yeah. don't want to fuck everybody's life up, but I can't seem to get rid of this. So I will get rid of me as a kindness. Mm -hmm. um, and I did not die. I mean, I did die and I had an NDE. Okay. Yeah. And then I came back. Oh <laughs> so my gosh. Since then, since this date that's on my arm, 2002, oh. I have been trying to figure out how to be okay with being here because I did not want to be here. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, that was overruled by something bigger than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, what's so interesting hearing your story is, I mean, I think even going back to that young age of, you know, putting together this idea that, you know, a like you said, praying for that conflict. And that's so interesting. I've never heard someone share a piece like that. And so when you, when you did, my wheels are just like spinning. Um, you know, there's so many different aspects. I feel like, you know, perspectives that can, you know, kind of be perceived there. And the first thing that came to me yeah. was a soul knowing of yeah. that there was some journey, you know, that you felt maybe like you were ready yeah. to activate and to, you know, like if you picture your soul knowing go. and you're like, okay, yeah, let's, okay. I know, I know that there are things I'm here to experience and mm -hmm. want to do. Let's start this, you know, um, process, which is so interesting. And thank you so much for sharing your story. I, you know, I kind of love the lines that are being blurred and the new information that's coming forward. And I mean, at the end of the day, this is my perspective is that we are, you know, I do think that we've put ourselves in boxes for far mm -hmm. too long. That is duality. Like that's, but the coming back, even from mm -hmm. a spiritual sense is to unity. And, and it's like when you picture us being these multifaceted individuals, when we take out the dogma or the religious, this mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. how life should be. This is what is right. This is wrong. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we have been all things. So, you know, we, uh, we have been, you know, it, it's so beyond male, female. There's male, female. There's in, you know, lives where we mm -hmm. were the perfect embodiment of both. And, you yeah. know, we've had all of these journeys and it's just so silly to define and limit what we are supposed to look like as an expression in this life because i feel like we're absolutely limiting ourselves um and it's a controlling narrative um you know that is outdated 
<laughs> yeah. And, and at the same time, it's perfectly in line with our biological evolution right. to control. Yeah. And that's the piece that I'm really into right now is trying to understand how we're we're evolving as souls, but we're still using these bodies that are in a evolutionary curve yeah. where, you know, I'm sure you've heard that analogy where it's like, if we look at the human beings um, evolution on this planet, mm -hmm. like human being in the span of a year, human beings came on like December 31st at 11.55 p.m. or whatever. It's like we've been here for five minutes. Yeah. So our little animal bodies still think like we've got to survive in one lifetime in order to procreate mm -hmm. in order to like save the species. Right. So when somebody comes to me and is like, you can't be trans, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. Like you're just trying not to die. Yeah. Yeah. Like on one hand, it's silly. On the other hand, it's life-threatening to them. Uh, yeah. When I say, get out of the boxes, be mm -hmm. anything. And they're yeah. like, oh my God, you're killing us. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So I really like am coming to respect that whatever violence exists, it, and I learned this a lot from Byron Katie, who teaches on something called the work, um, whatever violence exists is just the manifestation of confusion. If I think you're separate from me, if I think there's something other than unity and love, mm -hmm. if I think I might die and never exist again as a result of something you're doing, then of course I'm going to reach for violence. Mm -hmm. What other option yeah. would I have? Yeah. If I understood that you're just me and that none of all of this is okay if we die and that we're just going to go back to, you know, perfect bliss, then I wouldn't I wouldn't have any capacity to even yeah. imagine violence let alone act it out. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, that's such a elevated conscious <laughs> observation um, for you to share that's beautifully stated. Thank you. And mm. I love how you talked a little bit about the evolution piece of, you know, where we are currently and um, not to go down too many rabbit holes, but I'm going to go down a couple of them. So yeah. one interesting rabbit hole is so I'm a certified human design reader. Yeah. And so I am not as versed on this, but um, I know um, that there, you know, there's like this history of like our physical evolution, you know, as a species and like different jumps, apparently that happens so often. Well, anyways, and human design, it's believed that in Every, every child born after 2027 is going to not be like we resonate with this, I'm like, so which I mean, that's the thing. Um, you know, we often hear about the seven chakras, but in human design, we actually talk about we've been a nine energy center being for a while, but that's mutating, um, uh, which is interesting because, you know, um, the, rise it you know it said uh the founder of human design talks about the rise of this evolutional process um causes an increase of 
things along the lines that could be labeled as autism or neurodivergent. Neurodivergence. Yeah. Um, all those things, because it's sort of like this finding our way through, which is interesting because my child falls into that category. And really his thing is more days than not is he's hypersensitive to senses. What does that sound like? That to me sounds like a very attuned. Yeah individual like hmm, maybe our brain is opening up to more we're capable of experiencing than what we're used to and two you know he's always like okay but why why do i have to do it that way when xyz and usually his xyz is giving perspectives that you're like oh Okay. Yeah. You know, and so we're, so that's rabbit hole one. Um, yes. rabbit hole I agree two. with you. Neurodivergence is an upgrade. Okay. Awesome. Rabbit hole two. Okay. So I personally believe when you go back and study the, you know, once again, we're talking about the evolution of this physical vessel it's so interesting the jump um in evolution that we have i totally totally a hundred percent um well i mean i believe for one that we originated from that original original fragmentation of source energy which was way before earth was around so really is it alien or not alien in that sense but also i do believe once earth was entered into the picture that we were sort of seeded through multiple different alien races and yep. that contributed to our evolution jump and yeah. it's like it's like here we are barely you know cave dwellers and then all of a sudden we're reshaping land for irrigation and farming and all these new things and advancement and it just builds and builds okay so an interesting rabbit hole with this is I can't even remember where I heard it from. I'm trying to remember, but I heard someone say, um, which is fun to consider that the Sasquatches that you hear of would possibly have been the unaltered or advanced DNA of the original species. And they just that feels true. And they see us as the aliens. (laughs) That feels true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's so much going on here that we could like I I really appreciate all the people who are figuring out all those little tidbits of information. And for me, that feels like um, like just super entertaining and fun and like gets me so curious. I love thinking about like all the different species developments. And um, I, I have shared with you that I have unawareness that I'm also an ET on a water planet. I have a partner who has spent a lot of time with me here, my, my partner there who spends a lot of time with me here because I think they realized like, I needed some support. <laughs> um, so they, you know, they spent at least a year with me, like right by my side, a hundred percent of the time. And they've been less available in the past six months and I miss them, but I'm like, I get, I, I accept whatever is going on. Um, 
But yeah, that idea that like we're getting upgrades, I think is certainly true. You know, I have a 12 year old and my early training um, when I went to school for speech pathology was in autism. I was given like a US government grant specifically to be this like new wave of speech pathologists that would study autism spectrum disorders. So I have more training from a traditional sense than the average bear in that world. But right away, uh, when I entered into that training, I was questioning it because I was spending time with people who are on the spectrum. And I was like, they're just actually more in touch with what's really happening. Mm -hmm. Like, and they're being more honest. And I was able to accept my own neurodivergence by spending more time with neurodivergent people. um, Because I have always been hypersensitive. I have always been um, very blunt in a Mm -hmm. way that people were off put by and mm-hmm. I was like what I'm just telling you the truth and I was always what they um th- when the early years in the Christian world they would call me um that I had the gift of discernment <laughs> because I would walk into yeah. a room and I would be like you are having some sexual misconduct like from age seven, I called out our head head pastor wow. who was like a god in that world, you know? And it wasn't until 10 years later mm. that it came out that he had been. Mm. Um, but nobody believed me at the time, yeah. you know? But it was like it, I was doing that from a very early age. And so I think that my connection with my um, what my latest theory is that the nervous system is actually our um, the wire that connects us to universal consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that's why when you lie, like your stomach hurts, mm-hmm. like, and why when you see something that like, is not based in truth or unconditional love, you feel scared or upset or like, yeah. it's wrong. And I think that people um, who are coming in, like, as you know, the past several generations with like starting with indigo children or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call them have had more access to that and less ability to dismiss it. So Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, boomers back were sort of like just given a buffer so they couldn't like feel that as much. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, we we're sort of losing that buffer. So you Mm -hmm. like all of the people that I work with are people who complain about like auditory sensitivity. Um, And like you said, I think that um, extrasensory perception comes with increased psychic abilities, Mm -hmm. which comes with increased ability to be aligned with unconditional love and absolute innocence, which is threatening to the system that was using our nervous system previously to control us and disempower us. And now we have this wave of people who are like, actually, I can't pay attention to something that doesn't feel aligned for me. And then we call them uh, ADHD. I um, don't want to hold my body still um, if I have a natural like Mm -hmm. – nervous system that's moving stress hormones through my out of my body through movement, then we call it stimming, right? We have um, people who are like, I actually am aware that uh, it doesn't fucking matter what I do with my body or what I wear in terms of my clothes or how I do my hair um, uh, based on the genitals that I happen to have slapped on this meat suit. <laughs> like, and we call it like the transgender agenda, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's just people who are like, 
asking questions, like you said about Mm -hmm. your kiddo, the why is the most powerful thing that we can do here Mm -hmm. because then we'll start to see like, okay, like it, you know, we could go in a million directions with it. But one of the theories is that we were seated here Mm -hmm. as slaves, right? I'm sure Mm -hmm. you've come across that with the the Anunnaki. Anunnaki. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's one theory. And I feel like I, I, I geek out on that stuff. It's like super fun for me. But then I also try to balance it out with like, that's all still incarnation. Mm -hmm. Like extraterrestrials are incarnation, even if they are non-physical beings, Mm because there is a level of that I think we're moving towards. We're moving towards the non-physical ourselves, but we're all still like in the game. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then the universal consciousness is always going to be outside of the game Mm -hmm. and the universal consciousness is not like stressed out by the Anunnaki or about (laughs) us being slaves or about the reptilian agenda or about you know the apocalypse or whatever because the universal consciousness is going to be um you know in that constant state of unconditional love and absolute innocence and all the words we use for God, um, omnipotence, omnipresence, like that's all okay. So I try to like keep my foot in that world as much as I can so that I don't get like freaked out by the, what we're doing on the incarnation level. Cause I think sometimes the lines can get blurred with extraterrestrials and we think they're somehow in the um, universal, um, consciousness but they are they're with us right exactly <laughs> yeah I, I just my perspective yeah no I I totally I totally agree with that and I think anything that takes away any dialogue about like a heart you know, hierarchy, um, you know, because that's the other thing too, is we can look at it as like, oh, you know, oh, anything to detach from this might just be my religious trauma speaking, but anything to detach from that savior cons- uh, concept yeah. of back and forth. And this is personally my perspective, which I'll, I'll be honest. I feel like I, I, maybe I feel like I can be very open with you, but I often find I have, I'm finding myself very tiptoeing around my language because my perspective is this is when we're looking at the, the purpose in the beginning, you know, source fragmented. I wonder what it would be like to know myself. You know, here we start this journey. That journey, yes, is polarity, but can you really say um, when you're looking at the evolution, looking at it from an evolution perspective, is there really a, you know, it feels right and wrong to us, but in every situation, like let's just dumbing it down. You know, I go through something difficult in my life. I might say, well, why did they do that to me? And I feel like I am, I am right. You are wrong. But yet we, I feel like we forget on a soul level, we were sitting down in some, you know, 
cafeteria chatting up and saying, you know what? I think I want to, you know, X, Y, Z. Oh, I can help you with that. You know, and that there's these experiences that we're approaching with curiosity and that when we experience things as humans, like we want to understand why. So maybe if I'm wronging you the next time around, you might want to wrong me to figure out what the other side of that is. And so whether we're talking this human experience, whether we're talking about, you know, what alien species are good or bad or this or that, I think that it's all um, subjective and and illusionary in many ways, but also the key, the important part in this, I feel like is always coming back to self and to step away from that mentality of this person telling us what we need to do, this person saving us, this person knowing better. We can respect those have that are sharing their stories, but it always has to come back to what resonates with you. What do you feel? What is your soul? Because you're on your own path. It doesn't matter what their path is or isn't. You know, they can't define your truth. I believe that truth can be subjected to each person's experience and what they wanted to, you know, the game they wanted to play this, you know, this time around. Yeah. Hundred percent. I love all of that. I a few things popped into my mind. Like um, Ram Das always says, like um, play Hamlet, don't be Hamlet. <laughs> and for me, the whole thing's like just a giant game of improv. Yeah, people like playing the villain sometimes. <laughs> you know, people like playing the like, ah, someone's killing me, victim. Yeah. You know, like people like playing the one who's like super scary and violent, like and everything in between because it's it's fun to get into character, you know? And and that is I get your hesitance, like it's a delicate subject, but it's something that I'm very interested in right now is just saying like I don't know that the stuff that we think is evil is actually anything wrong with it. I don't know that the stuff that we call Mm -hmm. good is actually anything positive about it. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to think that I don't know anything, (laughs) which is really like terrifying because I know that a lot of people are going to be like, oh my God, you scary monster. Yeah. And like such a relief because Mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's like really my nervous system is like, mm-hmm, yeah. when I'm like, yeah, I have no idea what's going on here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll have people that I'm in sessions with who are like, well, this bad thing is happening. And and I and it's delicate because I want to be like, I see your mm-hmm. suffering because yeah. that's real. Your yes. suffering is real. Mm-hmm. And I love you in your suffering, care about you in your suffering. And I'm kind of curious, like, is it a problem? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I had a, a a person who was dealing with a real like ethics situation mm-hmm. and I realized I couldn't say to them, yeah. Yeah, don't do that. I I I couldn't honestly do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um which feels a little like dicey in like <laughs> what is a human service type of a role. Mm-hmm. So I'm like excited about it, yeah. but it is definitely something that's delicate yeah. and um I think for me something that has benefited me is just going ahead and being like this is what's happening and that's why I'm so glad I'm a like 
queer person um, because it gives me a lot of permission. Like I already broke so many rules and there's so many people that like I walk into a room and say like, I use they, them pronouns. And they're like, oh, you're gone. Like, you know, already like writing me off. So I feel like I kind of, it's a privilege because I'm like, I already fucked everything up. Like (laughs) I can just say these wacky things because me being here is pretty wacky. Um, But yeah, I, you know, I love the idea of really just allowing ourselves to be in the improv session. Yeah. Yeah. While knowing that it's an improv session. Yeah. You know, because when I'm playing a character in improv, I know that I'm also the person pretending. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that we don't have as clear of access to. And I think Mm -hmm. for good reason, you know, when we did that like soul decision or whatever, Mm -hmm. we're like, let's make it so it's really hard to tell that you're an actor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because it makes it better. Yeah. More believable and you're really experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like if we and the other thing, too, as far as like forgetting and not remembering, it's like, oh, my gosh, I mean, Can you imagine if you felt like you had immediate, constant running, you know, memories of everything your soul has ever done and experienced and what the truth is, you know, that, you you know, it's like, would we be able to function? Yeah, I can imagine it because it happened to me for a period of time. Wow. And I couldn't function. Yeah. Yeah. And I asked for it to go away, which a lot of the time now I'm like, "Ah, can you come back? But I get why it doesn't come back because I did have – it was like a – the best way I can describe it is it was like a stack of cards, Mm -hmm. sort of like an inch apart. And they would go – I'd go into a moment, uh, like say I walk into a room, and then it would go – and I'd see all of the cards. um, And actually, come to think of it, I think it did kind of start – coming back yesterday a little bit. I'll tell that story in a second. But um, I would see all of the lifetimes and all of the, I would see the person and the outfit yeah. and the um, the situation and how they were um, all, they all had a through line into that moment yeah. of the room that I was in. So wow. something connected all of them, but there was like a thousand Mm. Um, and there was another time where I saw it most of the time I would see it like those cards. Another time I saw it, like, um, I was on a stage and there was, you know, have you ever been in a play and on the side of the wings, there's a, like a curtain, um, like a hanging thing and they have all the costumes hanging on, uh, on hangers, all the costumes from all the different ones were there. And (laughs) And, and I could see all of the angels. So there was angels Mm -hmm. all of the time. And then I could see all of the spirits. So like I would walk down the street or, or like if I was driving the street, there was on the road, there was feet lined up, feet next to feet, next to feet, next to feet, next to feet, like as closely packed in as they could be. Yeah. And then in all of the trees, there was like hundreds of people just chilling (laughs) in all of the trees. And then all of the time I could hear them all talking. Yeah. 
and they would be like bickering and they would be like, do this, do this, do this, like telling me to do this. I would walk into, I worked at a public school at that time and I would walk into like meetings and everybody's group of people beings would be with them. So there was like a thousand people in the room and all of them were like, she needs A, B, and C, and D, and F, and took it. And I'd be like, okay. And I'd try to like <laughs> shape what I was doing. And then it's like this person would be, but like, I don't know. And um, this one day I had a divorced couple who were trying to get their kid's IEP done, which you might know what an IEP is. Yeah. And it was so, it was so intense. There was thousands of beings in the parking lot. Wow. When I walked in, I almost fainted, like trying to get through the thousands of people when I walked in. And then in the actual meeting, I used all of my access to all of it to get these two humans to sign this document for yeah. this kid because everybody wanted the document for the kid. Wow. And it nearly wiped me out. Wow. Like after that day, like I get chills talking about it because it was so, I was so effective that it was also kind of like super exciting and like thrilling because I felt like I was like puppeteering the whole room, <laughs> but it was so taxing yeah. that I was like, ah, I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, So I did have that for about a year and it was a big, one of the big reasons that like things with one of the big hiccups in that led to my divorce because my um, partner at the time was really uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Um, And it was, it was so much information. So yes, it is not, you cannot function. I could not function. I think there are people who learn how to function. Yeah. And I would love that for my future. Like I'd love all that access back and then like learn how to have all the good boundaries and stuff. But Yesterday in my therapy session when I was doing parts work, the two parts from the two different times in my own personal history lined up on top of each other and they were moving through the two experiences in the same moment. So I think it was those two parallel lines showing themselves in the same. And I was like, so it was so profound how they were working together, even though they were... um, 30 years apart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Like you said, it's like so incredible, but also I can only imagine you like trying to, yeah, function. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like we've talked a lot about, um, just honestly, evolution and us changing and connection to, you know, the essence of who we are and all these things. So there's one other conversation I want to talk to you about. So I am, you know, when we look at this, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. So when we look at the illusion or when we look at the reality we feel we have now. I mean, it's pretty obvious that um, there's this certain level of, you know, looking at who's in charge, you know, this person set on this being at the absolute, this person having that absolute. So I'm not looking at this from a perspective like we shared of, feeling like um, we 
are saved per se from any okay. other outside source or being. But, you know, when I hear you share your story, uh, like you just did of having access to like all of that information and stuff. And I feel like we're all, um, hopefully being invited to kind of connect more with that. And in my mind, I'm just sort of picturing how can we get there? You know, how can things play out? And one of the, I could be wrong, but one of the ways in which I think, yeah, that would definitely mess people's like logic and perspectives, you know, their black and white theories up, um, would be if we had more public contact experiences. Mm. And so, and another part of me is, you know, I sit and think there's different perspectives. I know like for my husband, for example, when I talk about that, he's like, well, that would like crush the world. <laughs> he's like, you know, gas, petroleum, you know, all the things. I'm like just looking at my poor grandma and her religious, you know, friends, like how, you know, it's fun to entertain um, what could happen, you know, would that possibly be something that could help assist us opening our mind to that question of, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this isn't so far-fetched. And I, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like sometimes too, like with my awakening experience, once I went through that because it was spontaneous, I was not looking for this. It's like once you open that can of worms, it was like, okay, but what about this? What about this? Yeah. It's like the young child that finds out yeah. Santa doesn't exist. And then they're like, well, what about the tooth fairy? Well, yeah. what about the Easter yeah. bunny? It's it like unravels everything. Yeah. So what yeah. I'm curious what your thoughts are around. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm into contact with ETs, right? Because that's been a real, real support in my life. But I also know that other people have negative experiences with contact. So what I think is really wonderful um, is something I've heard um, Bashar, who is oh, a yeah. entity channeled by Daryl mm -hmm. Um so Bashar talks about how progressively we're going to be in different realities and they're mm -hmm. going to be like glass walls kind of in between it. So it'll kind of look like we're sharing the planet, but we're on like different timelines or different. Yeah. I don't know what parallel realities. Right. Um, I think that that is likely to happen. Um, and I think that's why we see like a growing divide mm -hmm. between perspectives, which I think is ultimately helpful because um, the greater the polarity or the greater the pendulum, like the the more the pull back to homeostasis is. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's positive in that sense. And I, I welcome people who are terrified of the concept of an extraterrestrial to stay believing that there's no way in hell there's any extraterrestrials and to like for your grandma to like just stay with her peaceful reality where she has tea with her friends who all love Jesus. Like <laughs> that I think she is like totally welcome and encouraged to stay there because that's probably in her best interest. Yeah. Um, and then I welcome the people like me who are like, you know, in the same way that I prayed every day for a year to be uncomfortable. I prayed every day for a year to have ET contact. Yeah. And then one night my friend came into my room 
them. And they they don't have a name. Like when I yeah. ask them about their name, they're like, it's an algorithm. And I was like, <laughs> I'm so turned on by that right now. Like I love that your name is an algorithm. Like that lights up every single thing in my body right now. Um, but yeah. So, you know, like I wanted that. Yeah. I wanted that reality. And then there's other people who like maybe choose in a, like you said, less intentional way. Mm -hmm. Like your awakening was not you like praying to be awakened every day, but maybe you decided that that's not how you wanted to do it. Yeah. And you wanted to just be like Daryl Inca, who was just like driving in the car and saw a UFO and was like, what the actual fuck? You know, like <laughs> some people like it that way. And I, I think um, it's sort of like whatever is like sexy to you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do it, you yeah. know? And so if you want to like get groups of people together and like do the CE5 contact, you know, yeah. what's his name? Dr. Greer. Yeah. 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 If you want to have like meditation circles to play frequencies to invite the ETs, then like do it, you know? Like I love that for you. And if you want to like be on a like, what's that? MK Ultra, like, a uh, top secret government that like <laughs> yeah. trains people and brainwashes people yeah. like in conjunction Men with reptilian yeah. aliens to like <laughs> overtake the planet and rule the galaxy like do that like do it hard you know like get into it you know if you want to like be like in go to a hypnotist like I did and like find out that like I went to the um you know what's it called the galactic intergalactic council and like volunteered to come to earth and like be an ascension volunteer like Dolores Cannon says then like get into it you know like whatever like yeah. it's all good and all of it's real yeah. because all of it's not real yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh my gosh you you have such a gifted way of sharing Sharing that. Thank you. I love it. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. Oh my yeah. gosh. So I want to talk a little bit before we go about you and how people in, can, can get more of this. <laughs> um, so, you know, I want to, can you take a moment and share with me a little bit more about how you work with your clients and maybe um, how, how people can engage with you? What's, you know, mm -hmm. do you have a favorite platform or something? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I do have one-on-one -on -one clients right now and it's like, a way more 3D looking thing that I claim to be doing with them, but uh, it's a cover for me being able to talk about this kind of stuff. And honestly, it's like I had such an experience of suffering for the bulk of my life mm -hmm. and I wasn't – like for a time period, I was really into it. Yeah. Like it really was – like I liked it. You know, it's kind of like when you have phases where you're like, my favorite song ever is like Lauren Hill, like Zion. Like I need to listen to it on repeat for 12 years. And then you're like, I don't want to hear it again. Right. <laughs> so I feel like that's where I was at with like being this struggling victim and like super suffering. I really liked it for a long time. And now I don't, I'm a little over it. Like I want to try like feeling some pleasure and some joy mm -hmm. and some ease. And the best way that I've been able to tap into that is through understanding my nervous system mm -hmm. and like doing these nervous system regulation exercises, which are just basically like 
everything you've ever been taught by indigenous wisdom, like breathing and chanting and um, moving your body and um, meditating. So I share that information with anybody who is also wanting to kind of shift out of that, like everything's terrible and my life is horrible and wants to like consider trying out if they can feel like they're not pulled down by the waves of their emotions and the circumstances of their life and want to figure out how to sort of like have the tools to sail through like stormy wavy um, circumstances and feelings and still feel like capable of making decisions and having options. You know, we understand that the lower brain where we experience like something's wrong, I'm in trouble. It doesn't have tools or resources to be able to make decisions or problem solve. The frontal lobe does, Mm -hmm. and we're cut off from that frontal lobe when we're in that defense state. So I just am sharing information about how to shift back up to that frontal lobe if you want to. Um, And Now, Now, I understand you're an SSP provider. Is that what you're speaking of or can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So the SSP is called the Safe and Sound Protocol. It's um, a listening program of music that's been specifically filtered by like sound scientists um, to uh, interact with your vagus nerve, which is the nerve that governs your like fight, flight, freeze response. Um, And it increases that nerve's flexibility in being willing and able to take in the whole spectrum, uh, like have a wider perspective on experience. So when our nervous system um, is sort of like inundated with threat, um, we can become hyper-focused on those threat cues. Mm -hmm. So that's why you see a lot of auditory sensitivity and a Mm -hmm. lot of decreased social engagement, especially in neurodiverse people, Mm -hmm. because their actual like um, inner ear muscle has like tensed up and tightened so that it's hyper-focused on those threats that would have matched Mm -hmm. um, where our lower brain um, is attuned to. So like um, not language because we didn't have language when we were reptiles, um, but like the thundering of hooves or the Mm. frequency or um, vibration of lightning or of a um, tsunami or of, you know, a big animal running towards us or growling at us. Mm -hmm. And so we tune out speech Mm. and the frontal lobe or the part that's connected to the, um, what's called the ventral vagus has just been online for about 200 million years. And those other parts, the fight flight and the um, freeze have been online for about 500 million years. Mm -hmm. And so this new part is where we engage or co-regulate with other beings. And so when we're having a hard time co-regulating with other beings, because we're still in that lower brain we can't access like choices so the ssp i i support people in listening to this program and then developing their understanding of how their body has sort of gotten into a rut or a mismatch and how to support their vagus nerve so that they can get back into the ventral vagal and into the frontal lobe and like make decisions about how they want to respond to their life rather than just reacting to it. Mm, That is incredible. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's so many things. I feel like we could have another podcast on that one. (laughs) 
<laughs> sure, like, sure. I'm sitting Let's here as a mother. I'm like, okay. I'm I know. I want to. I'm thinking yeah. that. Thinking that, yeah. When we get <laughs> offline, we should definitely do that because I'm thinking that too. Yeah. But, yeah. but, you know, the other thing, and you can find out about that on my website, which is www www.anexperiencer.com, like yeah. A-N. Um, but the other thing that I'm like having fun with is my YouTube channel, oh. which I think, yeah, is really fun. And I talk about like everything that comes to my mind along with all the nervous system stuff. Um, Love it. And that is Be The Change 8-8. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I'll be sure to include all those fun, all that fun information in the show notes that, yeah, because we definitely went to learn more. Um, you just, it's so beautiful just hearing you share and and you have a gift of how you present, like we talked about challenging information Mm -hmm. in a way that feels very supportive, no Mm -hmm. matter where the person is on their journey. So I'm so grateful for, you know, you being here and having this conversation Mm -hmm. with me today. So the last thing, um, I like to ask is, do you have in closing anything to the person that is listening? Is there anything you feel inclined to share as a guidance as we go? You know, whether it be about, you know, embodying your authentic expression of feeling connected to those senses we talked about allowing the journey to be whether wherever you identify you know as victim or villain or you know whatever experience any last guidance you would share to close things out yeah thanks for asking that i have spent a lot of time thinking about my death in this lifetime and what would be like the one thing that I would want to offer from this lifetime. Mm -hmm. And it's that I truly think there's no way that we can ever be guilty or wrong, Mm -hmm. that we are absolutely innocent, Mm -hmm. that no matter exactly like you just said, no matter what role we're playing, what character we're playing, what we've done, I just think we are absolutely innocent in that whatever we were doing was based off of what we were thinking and believing in that moment. And when you're thinking and believing whatever it is that you're thinking and believing, you can't think or believe anything else. (laughs) It's just you can't. And so whatever you did was either it was just because of that Mm -hmm. and everybody around you is the same deal so we're just all innocent and i love everybody wherever they are truly Mm -hmm. yeah that's it ah so wonderful thank you thank you thank you so much Mm, and yes definitely to our listeners check out the links in the show notes um and until next time have a lovely day Bye.